If you have a Bible with you this morning, or you can open that Bible app, but I want to invite you to join me in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And today, we are in week number 5 of a sermon series through the Sermon on the Mount. And what we're going to be talking about is a topic that is very relevant in our day and age. The title of the sermon this morning is Lured by Lust. Now, just me saying that could make some of you start feeling a little bit nervous this morning. But what we're going to be looking at today is what Jesus has to say about this topic and what are some of the dangers that are present here in this. Now, what, what we are, what we, when we start talking about the subject of lust, what a lot of people will do is they come up with all sorts of different descriptions of this. And some people will say, well, lust could be anything. It could have to do with anything, and and clearly, though, here in the context, the way that Jesus addresses this is he is talking about, specifically, an unhealthy desire for someone sexually that is not your spouse. And so, you might say, well, I have a strong desire for cheesecake, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. What we're going to talk about today is that deep-down desire that starts with the eyes that goes to your mind and that affects your heart and that leads to other activities. But the best thing that God wants you to hear today is that the real danger is not what starts all the way down the road, but what the real danger is, is what we begin to process in our minds. Now, some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I am sitting with my spouse, I'm sitting with my kids, I'm sitting with my grandkids. Pastor Jason, what are you going to say? I mean, you, you can't talk about these things here. But friends, listen, my kids are here this morning and they are listening to what is being said. I am not going to say anything that should make anyone feel uncomfortable unless this is a sin that plagues you. And in that case, honestly, you should feel uncomfortable. Because what if I were to tell you that if you did a particular thing today, it could start a chain reaction that could ruin the next 10 years of your life? Would you want me to point that out to you? You say, well, yes, I would. But the problem is, is that you know what a lot of us do? We say, you know what? I've got it all under control. I don't need any help. I mean, if this gets serious, I can just walk away. I can stop this whole thing whenever I want to. The problem is you think that you can, but you can't. What Jesus is going to say here is, let's start where the danger actually begins. Because often we think that the danger is adultery, and adultery is a sin. But adultery always begins before the physical act. It always does. And so we need to seek to be faithful throughout this whole entire process. We, we don't want to just focus on the external actions. Our focus needs to be on our thoughts. It needs to be on our attitudes, the attitudes of our hearts. And I said this last week, I'll say it again. External actions actually reveal internal attitudes. That the things that you do with your hands and your feet, your eyes, your, your mouth, reveal something that is going on inside of you. Because before it, it ever reveals, uh, it, it ever uh, reaches your hands, it is circulating in your heart. The desire is building in your heart, but eventually it is going to lead to something else. Friends, our desires are a very profound element in our lives. Our desires are the things that get us up out of bed in the morning and have a very powerful effect on us. I want you to think with me about this for a second. 
Have any of you thought about where you might eat uh, lunch later on today for, for uh, after the service or after Sunday school? Anybody? I mean, for some of you, maybe you think I'm going to eat at home or some of you might be thinking, you know what, maybe I'm going to go get some takeout or maybe I'm going to go out to my favorite restaurant. Maybe I, I should ask the question a little bit differently. Is there one restaurant that you really wish that you could go to on a Sunday, but you can't? And uh, maybe it wasn't just this Sunday that you're thinking about this, but this is uh, something that you've tried to do on other Sundays that you thought that you would go to this place, but you just couldn't. I mean, is there some place where you say, I wish I could go to that place on Sunday, but I can't because they're closed? It's that that Christian chicken place. I, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where do you want to go and eat, but you can't on a Sunday? Chick-fil-A, right? Chick-fil-A. Well, what if Pastor Jason had some good news for you this morning and I said, guess what? I brought a Chick-fil-A sandwich for you today. Now, some of you might say, well, listen, I know you might have a bag of Chick-fil-A, but I bet you don't have any food in it. Oh, really? Well, (laughs) look at what I've got here this morning. I have a sandwich and this sandwich hasn't been eaten. This sandwich has never been touched. Now, I, I know in telling you this here, um, you, you are, might be thinking about this. Well, how did you get this sandwich? And I, I, I bought this sandwich, but I did not buy this sandwich today. It's not fresh. Now, some of you, that might not deter you at all. You might think, well, I don't care. I'll, I'll take the, the risk. I'll eat it anyway. But, but others of you know that if you ate this cold, uh, uh, old chicken sandwich, you would not be feeling very good afterwards. What's going on here is a good desire, but the timing is all wrong, and the desire, uh, this is a good desire, but the circumstances are all wrong. Chick-fil-A makes a great, great sandwich, but if you handle it in the wrong way, this thing could make you very, very sick. You may not know when I bought this or even what circumstances were, what the circumstances were behind me getting this thing. But one thing's for sure, you know that I, I did not get this today. It is not fresh. It, it is not the way the person who originally created this sandwich intended for you to eat it. And if you try to eat this thing, well, good luck to you because you're not going to be feeling very well for the next few days, right? Well, I want you to just understand something about our sin nature as it applies to lust and everything else in our lives. Sin is often meeting a right desire in a wrong way and at the wrong time. Let me say that again. Sin is often meeting a right desire in the wrong way and at the wrong time. So you you have this right desire to want Chick-fil-A and to eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich. But if you go about it the wrong way and in the wrong time, it's not going to be good for you. Here's the lie that I bought into for a long time as it relates to our topic today. I, I remember growing up in the church, and I don't think that anyone intentionally taught me this, but this is the lesson that I got anyway. That the desire that I had to one day be married and to enjoy all of the gifts that God provided within marriage as it relates to physical intimacy, I believed that all of those things were bad, ungodly, unholy, and that I needed to get them out of my head. The problem is that those gifts that God gives us are not bad, ungodly, unholy, 
But in the improper use of them is what is sinful. You see, as a young man, I thought that my desires were sinful. But what God says is that the desire is good, but if you allow it to go unchecked and you handle it in the wrong way and at the wrong time, that is what sin is. Sexual desires are not a bad thing. But if it is handled in an improper way, it is dangerous for your soul and dangerous for the people around you. What Jesus is going to teach us here today is you need to be very, very careful because lust is an unhealthy displacement of a healthy desire. Your Bible's open in front of you. I want to read what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 27. And as we read this, I want you to see just how seriously Jesus takes the sin of looking at something and then mentally going to a place where you shouldn't be. Here's what he says. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Jesus seems to be pretty clear here about how he feels about the danger of lust. The problem is that we hear this and we think, come on, Jesus, you can't be serious. But the fact is, he's serious, all right. Jesus starts off and he's talking about the price of adultery. He quotes from Exodus chapter 20, verse uh, 14. And he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Now, this is the seventh of the great Ten Commandments that were given in the Old Testament. And listen, uh, the, the people who were gathered there with Jesus that day, they probably felt pretty good about themselves on this. Because their thought was, you know what, I'm good on this one because I've never committed the act of adultery. But what Jesus is going to do is he's going to take this a step further and he says, the, the real issue... The, the real danger here is the danger that is in your own heart. Because that's where the root of the problem starts. And, and if, you are commit, if you've committed this uh, sin in your heart, then you're doing the same thing as doing it externally. And so first, uh, I just want to talk about three reasons why adultery is wrong. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how lust is connected to all of that. First... Adultery is grave disobedience against God. Grave disobedience against God. Okay, God said it, and so we we do it, right? And, And that should be enough for us. He is a good father. He longs to give good gifts. He does give good gifts. He watches over us. He protects us. He tells us things that we need to watch out for. And if God has said it, then that should settle things for us, right? But why does he say it? Well, we, uh, when we commit adultery, when we have a sexual relationship with someone who is not our spouse, then what we're saying to God is, you know what? You have not provided what I need and what I want. God, there is something wrong with you. And so I am going to step out of these lines that you have created because I'm not satisfied. Do you know what else it says? 
Adultery is also taking someone who is made in the image of God and using them to address our wants. It is ignoring a person's soul and it is focusing on what is physical. And I want you to think about the implications of sinning against God once. Because listen, if somebody did something to hurt one of my kids, we'd have a big problem on our hands. When you commit adultery, what are you doing? You are defaming one of God's kids. You should, you, you shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't see it as anything less than that. It is a very serious thing. God has given marriage. He's given intimacy and all of these good gifts that he has given to us. And he says, you know what? I want you to enjoy these things, but I want you to enjoy them in the right way and at the right time. And if you follow the instruction manual on this, things will be great. Now, uh, we, we've all bought things and received gifts at times that needed to be put together. And you get something, and on the outside of the package it says, assembly required. And so you open it up and you see all of these different little pieces, and then you have these instruction man- this instruction manual there. And maybe you take that instruction manual and you just kind of throw it to the side, and you say, you know what, I'm going to put this together on my own. But generally when you do that, it doesn't work out very well. Because the person who made it knows how it's supposed to work. And so you have to follow the instructions. You have to follow the directions. That's the way that intimacy works as well. The world did not create sex. God did. The world did not create your desires. God did. The world does a good job of distorting those things. And so if these are good gifts given by God then we should listen to him about how to use them. Second reason why the price of adultery is so high is because adultery is irreversible damage against a family, even if it can be forgiven. Now, some of you, uh, for some of you, I'm, I'm sorry about how personal that is, but I think that we all need to hear this. Can the sin of adultery be forgiven by God? Yes. Absolutely. Can can the sin of adultery be forgiven by a spouse? Yes. Can it be forgiven by kids, by family members? Yes, it can. Is it challenging? Yes, without a doubt, it is challenging. Listen, I have seen forgiveness happen where adultery had taken place. I have seen God do some unbelievable restoration in this area. I have seen people who are so angry and hurt and upset. Someone who had committed the sin of adultery and the other spouse was ready to throw them out, who never wanted to talk to to them again. I have seen God do some incredible things in broken relationships where I thought that they would never be fixed, and yet God restored them. I have seen people who have had every right to walk away, who have had God's word giving them permission to do so. And they said, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to work through this. We're going to see if God could redeem this. And he did. And there are marriages today that were in the depths of despair, and yet they are functioning and healthy today. And and we praise God that 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 he could do something like that. I mean, how amazing that is. But is that difficult? Absolutely. Is that the minority of what generally happens in situations like that? Yes. Because when you commit adultery, what you are saying to your spouse is you're not enough. And so you step outside of those lines. Marriage is a special union. In fact, 
in Genesis chapter 2, uh, it talks about the two becoming one. That, that there is no other relationship that is described like that anywhere else. I, I mean, you are one with your spouse. You're not one with your kids. You're not one with your parents. You're not one with anyone else. It is a unique relationship reserved for marriage. When you walk outside of that, those boundaries, outside of those lines, you do great damage. Now, can you experience forgiveness? Yes, absolutely. But there will be lasting effects. Our kids are getting older. Some of you know that we used to have a play set in our backyard. And uh, a number of months ago, uh, a couple of months ago, maybe a month, I don't know. So a few weeks ago, we, we decided that we were going to take down this playset. I mean, it, they were kind of outgrowing it and it was falling apart. And so we take the playset down and in place of it, we put a fire pit. Now, over the last month uh, in the evenings, we will go out, we'll grab some newspaper, we'll grab some sticks, we'll grab some logs. We'll put it in the fireplace and, and fire pit and then we grab this thing, the lighter, and we light it up. Now... Some of you also enjoy this. You enjoy having a fire pit and having a fire in the backyard. Some of you also have fireplaces in your houses. And you like to have a good fire uh, to kind of sit around and relax in the wintertime. Well, if you think about a fire in the fire pit or a fire in the fireplace, I mean, that, that can be a great thing for the family. But a fire that gets outside of the fire pit, a fire that gets outside of the fireplace, that could be very, very bad and harmful for the family. The same thing is true about sex. That it is good in certain contexts, but it will burn the house down in others. You see, the gift is not so much the problem, it is the placement that matters so much. Listen, adultery will cause damage, you can count on it. Is there hope? Is reconciliation possible? Yes. And if you are going through that right now, it's going to be hard. It's going to take time. You're going to need some help. You're going to need some people to walk alongside you, with you in this. But you can get through it. On the other hand, if this is something that you are thinking about, then let me warn you that you can never take it back. And maybe some of you are sitting here and you're saying, well, I'm not thinking about anything like that. Don't worry. Jesus is going to say here, be careful because maybe you are. The third thing that adultery does is that adultery is putting temporal feelings over lifelong commitments. That's what adultery does. And so uh, you want to possibly throw away what God has given you in a, in a family over decades, over a few mere moments of excitement? Is that really worth it? No, it's not worth it. Listen, the moment may be enjoyable, but the consequences are painful. And this is why God made this commandment all the way back in Exodus chapter 20, why Jesus brings it back up again in Matthew chapter, eight, or chapter 5. You shall not commit adultery. Most of the religious people of his day and many in our day as well would say, well, I mean, I guess I'm good because I've never done anything like that. And Jesus says, well, wait a second. Are you sure about that? Jesus is about to ruin everybody's day when we get to the next verse, verse 28. And he says this. He says, you have heard that it was said, 
you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already intent, uh, uh, committed adultery with her in his heart. And I imagine everybody who heard that would, would have thought, you know what, J- Jesus, you're absolutely crazy. I mean, that means that we've all sinned, right? Jesus says, well, I haven't. Now, it's true that we never will be able to fulfill the commandments like Jesus fulfilled them, but we also can't throw away his standards. We need to fight for righteousness. We need to fight for holiness. And he says, you know what? You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I'm saying to you that adultery actually starts in the heart. Adultery starts in the heart. And what Jesus is going to say is that often it starts when you look at a woman with lustful intent. Now, I want to just say something about this here. Because the stereotype naturally for a topic like this is that it would be tempting for us here this morning to say, you know what, all of you men, all of the men need to listen in on this. But I think that this applies to women as well. And just because your lust may not look the same as it's been described right here does not mean that it's not sin and that it doesn't need to be addressed. Be careful about thinking that someone else is pro- uh, that, that someone else has this problem and that you don't. You need to think about your heart here in this. When Jesus says, "Everyone who looks at a woman." He is not saying, you know what, it's, if women are just free to do whatever they want to or they're free from this in, in, in this situation. Probably many of the people who were in the crowd that day would have been men, but he's not saying that women are somehow free from this sin. Jesus begins here by addressing what it is that we look at. And he says, you know what, you haven't committed adultery yet, but what are you thinking about? And how do you know what you're thinking about? Well, uh, you keep staring at her or you keep staring at him. You are obsessing over this person. You are talking, you're you're trying to seek out ways where you can be around this person. Instead of taking the direct path to your office, you take the long way around so that you could see this person. You're trying to hide the things that are on your computer that you've been looking at so that no one else could see them. You're looking out the window at this person who's walking by and you're hoping that no one else notices you doing this. You think that the sin is somehow out there, but what Jesus says is that it's inside and you need to be careful. Why? Because what we see leads to what we consider, which leads to what we do. It all starts with what we see. Because what we see always leads to what we consider, which leads to what we do. Listen, if you want to stop adultery, you need to, st- you need to start by what it is that you look at with your eyes. What, what, what is it that you're watching? What, it is, what is it that you're glancing at, staring at, gawking at? Friends, we live in a day and age, we live in a time where we are being bombarded with all sorts of seductive images, commercials, billboards, advertisements, uh, people just walking down the street. Now, there, there used to be a time where you has to, had to really work hard in order to find these kinds of images, but not today. Today, you can look everywhere, you can turn away, and, and, and it's just going to come looking for you again. 
Some of you have seen things that you never wanted to. Some of you have young kids who have been on websites that you thought were safe, and yet all of a sudden these ads have started to pop up. Folks, this is a sick world that we live in. Jesus says, be careful what you look at. And again, this is not just a sin that men struggle with, but this is a sin that both women and men struggle with. What if I were to tell you that there was a group of men who went to a concert and there was this woman up on stage and she was provocatively dancing and had hardly anything on. And these guys are just laughing and they're talking to each other about it. And what would you be thinking? You women might be thinking, I mean, that guy, those guys are horrible. I mean, they're disgusting and vile. And yet women do this all the time and don't see it as sin. Soap operas, uh, romantic novels. Reality TV shows of people hooking up, imagining ourselves with celebrities and athletes. That's not just something harmless. It is dangerous and it affects both men and women. It starts with the eyes. It starts with what we look at. And it moves to our heads. It moves to our hearts. And then it moves out to our activities. What Jesus says here is everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That that the intent is, you know what? I want to see what I can get out of this for myself. And I think that this is very important for us to understand here. Because you can't always control what it is that you see at the first glance. Whether it's something that pops up on the internet screen, whether it's something that that, uh, is on a bus as it drives by, this billboard that's very provocative, maybe it's a person who walks by you. You can't always control everything you see at first glance. But if you keep going back to that, that's something that's saying something about your heart. In fact, you may not be guilty for what you initially see, but you are responsible for the second glance Or the lingering thought. Some of you are not guilty for what you initially saw. I mean, you weren't seeking it out. You didn't have any lustful intent there. You were just going about your business. And all of a sudden, boom, there she popped up right in front of you. You know what? You didn't ask for it. She was just there. Or, you know, for you ladies, maybe this guy just comes along. You weren't looking for this guy. He comes along and he's trying to impress you. You are focusing on trying to be faithful, and he just walks by. Listen, I don't think that you have sinned if you saw something that came across your path. But the problem is when you see it and you linger at it, or when you see it and you turn away and then you turn back to it a second glance or a third glance, or maybe more, I want you to think about this a little bit here once. I've got with me this morning a bag of candy. And uh, I want to be clear here that there is nothing sinful about this bag of candy. Now, some of you might think that there is, but there isn't, okay? And, and, and yet, let's say that this candy was sinful. Are you responsible for seeing this because I put it in front of your face? No. But are you responsible if you continue to stare at it and gawk at it? Are are you responsible if you try to get closer to it? If you try to walk by it as much as you can? Are you responsible if you try to hold on to it and maybe eat this thing? Some of you here this morning feel like you have sinned because you saw something that you should not have saw. But I'm saying to you, maybe not. Here is what you can do. 
If you are in a situation like this, this is my advice. Bounce your eyes. Kind of like a ball. Bounce your eyes. You see something and you know it's there. And so you turn away from it and you look at something else. You bounce your eyes. You're not guilty of what flashes in front of you, but you are responsible for what you do next. You see, the more you allow yourself to obsess over someone, the easier it is to pursue sin. The more you stare, the more you think, the more that your heart is driven to find that person, that image, that that video, that situation. You begin to obsess over it and you keep finding yourself going back and back and back again. And the reality is that adultery is not far off. Because you have been rehearsing it in your head for months, maybe even years. And so... You say, well, adultery is horrible. It's a horrible sin, and it is. But Jesus says, be careful, because often it starts right here in the eyes, and then it moves to the head and the heart, and then it moves right out into our actions. The more you look at a person, whether it's in person or online, whether it's on TV or on a cell phone or in your magazines or whatever, the more you look, the more you compare, and the more you will be unsatisfied with what you have. Friends, that is what our world is like today. We are saturated with all kinds of images that are altered and airbrushed in order to make us discontent with what we have and who we are. And that is a big, big lie. So what do we do? What do we do about this? God has given us these good desires, but if we handle them in an unhealthy way, it can wreck everything. And so Jesus says, you need to fight. You need to fight. And some of some people have taken what Jesus is saying here in this passage quite literally over the years. But I want you to listen to what he says before you do anything. Here's what Jesus says, verses 29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. This seems to be very serious, but but what does Jesus say here? What is he trying to say to us? If adultery is what, is what you're trying to avoid and you can't handle what it is that you're seeing, what it is that you're doing, then you, you need to do something significant in order to turn away from sin. In, in fact, we could say it this way. Dangerous sins require drastic measures. Dangerous sins require drastic measures. Now, I, I believe that Jesus is making some exaggerated statements here in order to make a point. But uh, what some people have done over the past, in, in the past years, is that uh, they have actually tried to apply this passage quite literally. Uh, again, I don't think that Jesus is saying that you need to hurt yourself, but what I think he is saying is that you need to cut sin out at its very root. Maybe for some of you, you need to get that computer out of that isolated place, and you need to put it in a place where other people are around. Some of you need some accountability software or some blocks on your cell phones. Some of you need to stop going to certain places because you know why it is that you're going by those certain places and and, and you're doing it intentionally. 
Some of you need to start a fire pit in your back, in the backyard, and you need to throw a bunch of stuff in that fire, and you need to be set free. Because dangerous sins require drastic measures. If you are struggling with sin, you do something about it. Because if you don't, it will take you out. You need to do something very significant. You need to make some drastic steps and take some drastic measures here. This isn't the only place in the Bible that talks about this. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3 says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness may, must not uh, ever, uh, must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Job chapter 31, verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes that I, that I may not gaze at a woman. I have made a covenant with my eyes that I may not gaze at a woman. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name on the Lord from a pure heart. He's saying, you know what? You got to run away from this and you need to run to this and you need somebody along the way to help you do this. First Corinthians chapter six and verse 18 says, flee from sexual immorality. The word flee there means to uh, kind of freak out because you're feeling like someone's going to kill you, going to take your life. Flee does not mean that you need to get as close to it as you possibly can without touching it or without crossing the line. Flee means to run, to get as far away as you possibly can. You do whatever you can. You need to make some significant changes. You maybe even need to go back to the flip phone if that's what it takes. Some of you need to make some serious changes before it robs you of more than your, of your life than it already has. And I think that all of us need to understand a way to forgiveness and a plan to fight. We need a way to forgiveness and a plan to fight. I believe that all of us have or will struggle with this particular sin to some degree. Now, some of us may struggle in different ways and to different degrees, but we all will struggle. Now, the good news is that there's hope. Jesus Christ is willing, he is able to forgive you of every sinful thought, word, action. And all God's people said, Amen! Every sinful thought that you have ever had about someone that was unholy, uh, maybe that no one else saw but that God did. Every sinful word that you've ever said of an immature nature or a degrading nature or anything else. Any sinful action that you've ever taken, it can all be forgiven. It happens through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross that he did not deserve in order to take the sin that we had committed. And if you accept that forgiveness today, you will be free. Free indeed. The Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But that does not mean that you have a free pass. 
does not mean that you will not struggle in life. You need to get a game plan in order to fight. Because you will never find personal victory unless you put an intentional uh, fight plan into place. Yes, we need to pray about it. But we also need to take some action steps on it. What are you gouging out? What are you throwing in the fire? What are you getting out of your life? Removing it, taking it away, uh, getting rid of it. Who knows about this and who is walking with you through this? Maybe it's somebody in your small group. Maybe it's somebody in Bible study. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it is a parent. Maybe it's one of our elders. But you can't do this alone. What are you intentionally doing in order to fight? We need to be a people who experience the mercy and forgiveness of God. But we also need to be a people who fight for righteousness and holiness in our everyday lives. Because this is an area that is trying to take us down. Whether we realize it or not. Let's pray.